This past Friday, a hero from my country died. John Lewis was born into the segregated American South in 1940, and by his early 20s, he had already become a leader in the civil rights movement. He coordinated sit-ins at lunch counters. He helped organize the March on Washington where Martin Luther King Jr. was the main speaker. He led countless demonstrations against segregated restrooms, hotels, restaurants, public parks, and swimming pools. From 1960 to 1966, he was arrested 40 times for his work toward racial justice in the United States, something he would refer to as getting into good trouble. And despite his abiding commitment to nonviolence, he was violently beaten by law enforcement officers and others numerous times. Lewis's work didn't end with the civil rights era, of course. He continued to be a voice for justice and equity through his many years of service in the U.S. House of Representatives. He was often referred to as the conscience of the Congress. I see a lot of John Lewis's life, what he stood for, how he lived, in our reading from Paul's letter to the Romans today. I consider that the, present, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory about to be revealed to us, Paul writes. Lewis suffered greatly for what he believed, but he knew all along that it was in service to something greater, that it was not to be compared to the value of standing up for what he knew was true and right. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, says Paul. Lewis was well acquainted with the groans of the world, with the hurts and cries of people struggling for justice. He didn't tune out the groans or let them paralyze him. Instead, he listened well and he responded with a life of unwavering resolve and service. In hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Lewis knew all about hope. His life shows that he believed there really was a future worth working for, even if it was one he clearly couldn't see realized around him just yet. I don't know exactly what kind of hopeful patience Paul has in mind in this reading here, but I can't imagine he means we ought to be sitting quietly on the sidelines waiting for God to do something. That's certainly not what hope looked like in John Lewis's life anyway. A friend of mine shared a story yesterday of meeting him some years ago. This was in a Lutheran church in Atlanta, and Lewis had been invited to speak about his life, his leadership in the civil rights movement, and his decades of service. These now are my friend's words. I remember Lewis talked about what it was like growing up as the son of sharecroppers in Alabama, the role of spirituality in his activism, the machinations behind the march on Washington and getting beaten within an inch of his life on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. It was the first time I heard the phrase, good trouble. But what I remember most about that afternoon was when a young African-American boy, about five or six, approached the microphone and shyly asked whether Lewis ever got scared when the people were attacking him. Without saying anything, Lewis came and picked the boy up 
and put the boy's hand on his bald head. Feel those scars, he said. There was a long, stunned silence in the room as the boy ran his fingers along them. And then Lewis said, sometimes you just got to stand up for what you believe. Then he gave the boy a hug and a smile and said, someday I know you're going to do that too. That kind of integrity, that kind of commitment to working for a better future with compassion and grace, that kind of tireless, courageous love, that's what I have to believe Paul meant by hope. For in hope we were saved. May we all catch the sound of that music once again. Amen.